Welcome to In the Shadow of the Evening Trees. I'm Jennifer Von Ebers. And I'm David Von Ebers. And, 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 welcome to, uh, what's it called? Two Minutes 59. Yes. Lake County, Illinois' favorite and perhaps only Clash-themed podcast. Number one. Number one. <laughs> We're doing a uh, joint, uh, joint episode of our joint podcast. Correct. And my own podcast, nice. My Clash podcast. It's we're crossing the streams. We are. We've said that before, <laughs> in other contexts. That's from Ghostbusters, I think. I think that we're is. crossing the stream. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, we're recording one podcast that we're going to post in two different places. Yes. Um, and we'll get to it in a moment. But there's why? Why are we doing that? We're doing that because today is Garland Jeffries, one of our favorite musicians, 80th birthday today. It's amazing, 80 years young. Yes. His, he posted on uh, Facebook, 80 is the new 80. <laughs> That's true. Which I feel like, I kind of feel like he, he borrowed that from me because I when on my 50th birthday, I said 50 is the new 50. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure he did not borrow that from me. <laughs> Sure, it did not. You might hear in the background the air conditioning roaring behind us. We've been a little indoorsy lately. Very indoorsy. Because of the air quality. Yeah. Yeah, so we're in northern Illinois, uh, and it's a little smoky out. Yeah, the, other day, the other day, I opened the windows because it was nice and cool in the morning, wanted to get some fresh air in, and I'm like, smells like somebody's already barbecuing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, Canada. Canada's already barbecuing. Yes, and it's coming our way. <laughs> Canada has been barbecuing for months now, and they're, they're our bad neighbors, and <laughs> all the smoke is blowing into our area. Usually we're the people... Into our backyard. <laughs> into our backyard. Usually we're the people in the neighborhood who light up the, the grill, and it blows into the neighbor's yard. So Canada is doing that to all of the United States right now. Pretty much. Not all of the United States, just from the Mississippi East. Yeah, and it's been kind of weird to just kind of go out in the middle of the day to see it super hazy, and it does smell like smoke out there, uh, and uh, the air quality poor that they've suggested people um, refrain from uh, strenuous outdoor activities. I think they try to get a lot of people not to work in the in the loop in downtown Chicago, um, not so much today, but on uh, Wednesday of this week. Today, I, I'm saying today like you know what today is if you're right. listening to this. <laughs> it happens to be Thursday, uh, June, June 29th. 29th. Uh, but on Wednesday of this week, I think they were telling people to stay home if they could. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny too because, you know, so this happened further east of here be earlier in the, in the, you know, sort of like late spring, early summer because these wildfires up in Canada have been going on for a long time and so you know they had problems in New York they had problems in on the East Coast and I think they still have I think even now they're still having some issues with it but then it became like a whole dumb political thing because people were wearing masks again and they were wearing masks because there's like literally particles in the air that you don't want in your lungs that you don't <laughs> want in your lungs but the people who are you know freaked out about masks were again freaked out like it's a completely different thing it had nothing to do with COVID, it wasn't because of government rules mandate, and regulations. Yeah. People don't have to protect themselves. But there's a lot of people just, nowadays, people just freak out if you do anything that appears to be cautious. Yes. Or just like protecting yourself. I don't like it. Yeah, it's crazy. People will literally politicalize anything today. I almost said politicalize. 
I don't think that's a word. We could we could make it up. We it could, could be a it, new word. We could put it in the dictionary. <laughs> it, yeah, you use it enough, it becomes a word. That is true. I saw, you know, uh, this is not the main topic of our conversation, but I have to throw this out. So, you know, there's the term cisgender, which means nothing more or less than a person is, you know, identifies with the, the, the gender they were assigned at birth. They're their biological sex matches their gender identity. There's nothing good, bad, or indifferent about the term. It's just a descriptive term. And I saw, you know, all these people on social media yelling and because Elon, Elon, the fragile apartheid baby, um, <laughs> he has, he's a fragile apartheid baby. He tweeted something about how now Twitter is going to consider the term cisgender to be a slur. So apparently, you can get in trouble for using a purely descriptive term. And all these folks were like, it's a made-up word. It's a made-up word. <laughs> and then, you know, the response was, you'll really be surprised to find out where words come from. Right. Because they're all made up. <laughs> it's like, here you are on the Internet. Right. Posting, you know. How come that word yeah, wasn't available right, 50 right. years ago? Do you, do, you have a, do you have a blog? <laughs> do you email people? You know. I used to have a uh, teacher, and, and she was a wonderful teacher, and I feel bad saying anything negative about her, but um, she, was a, she was a former nun, which is actually kind of what made her really cool, long story, but she was a, what we used to call language arts, you know, she taught oh, right. language and grammar and English and whatnot, but um, she would like to say in the classroom, ain't ain't a word and I would literally every time she said it I'd be like you just used it in a sentence <laughs> right you literally used it in a sentence of course it's a word but anyway so I I had to get that off my chest did she give you marks down for that <laughs> no I didn't say it to her face yeah I probably could have you probably she, she was pretty cool yeah. as a matter of fact <laughs> I probably could have but anyway so um I don't know why I got off on that tangent that's okay that's not why you called. That's not why you called. We are um, celebrating a, I would say, a friend. Yeah, because we are friends in real absolutely. life with um, Garland Jeffries. Now, he might not say that. His lovely wife, Claire. They might say, it would be like the Mariah Carey meme. Yeah. I don't know her. I don't know her. Um, they do know us. They do know us. <laughs> and we've had conversations yes. with them. And we've talked about they them. They have on, our email. They, I have heard, they do, but I we don't I've, want to disclose personal private yeah, information. I want to say I even have, um, I want to say if I have Claire Jeffries, um, oh, not anymore because my phone was stolen. I forgot. Oh, that's right. I used to have her phone number. Um, but yeah, we wanted to just, it just happened today. It's his birthday. Today is his birthday. Today is his actual birthday. 80 years young. We've seen him many times one in of, concert. Yeah. One of my favorite artists of all time. Um and just it's kind of a funny thing um, and it is you know in some ways kind of relevant to things we talk about on this podcast is that um, so I first got so if you don't know, let me just back up a so if you don't know Garland Jeffries he's a singer songwriter uh, musician from New York City he has influenced people like you know Bruce Springsteen and Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes and he's sort of part of that kind of 1970s you know East Coast New York, New Jersey scene, um, as an aside and sort of related to that, he was also very close friends with Lou Reed. Now, obviously, you know, Lou Reed and Bruce Springsteen and that kind of sound, they're very, very different. Uh, but, but they all sort of 
um, Garland was in kind of the same circles as all of those folks. He had a very successful single called Wild in the Streets back in the 1970s. He was in a band called Grinder Switch that had a little bit of success. There are multiple different covers of the song Wild in the Streets, and it's been used in movies. It's been featured in cable TV series and things like that. Um, he also had a fair amount of success in the 1980s. He was, you know, he was on MTV and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. and he had videos. He had an album called Escape Artist, which was probably his biggest selling album. I think came out in 1981. And then... Um, he had uh, several follow-up albums that were very successful. He had a really great album um, with a with a song called "Hell, Hell, Rock and Roll," which is kind of a hip-hop song, which is relates to kind of the evolution of of music. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying a moment ago. So I got into his music kind of through my brother John, um, and one of the things, and I we've talked about this before. I talked about this somewhat on our friend Jesse Jackson's podcast when I did his show a year ago, his Bruce Springsteen show, is that for me, you know, a lot of times, because I lived a very, <laughs> just be, you know, to be frank about it, I guess, a very different life than, you know, some of my siblings, than some of my, like, high school friends and college friends. And music was always kind of like this language that we had where we could relate to each other. And so my brother John was the one who really got me into The Clash, for example, got me into Garland Jeffries and so forth. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, like I do a Clash podcast. It's one of the reasons why Garland Jeffries' music means a lot to me. I lost my brother. It, God, it's, it's, going, it's, it's 32 years yeah, ago now. Yeah, because I never met him. You never met him. It was, it was not um, too, too long, actually, before we met, yeah. um, but my brother John passed away in 1991, and so, and we'll, we'll talk maybe about how we kind of connected with Garland and, and, and his wife and, and so forth in a bit, but, but that's one of the reasons why that music meant a lot to me is because that music like that was sort of how, how you know, I kind of bridged the gap between myself and some of, you know, the people in my life who just and I'm not it's not good bad or indifferent but we just led different lives and uh, music was the thing that kind of unified us and so um, you know my brother was really into kind of that East Coast thing like he, he was a big Lou Reed fan he was a he was a big fan of Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes he was a big fan of um, Willie DeVille and um, his band the band Mink DeVille the singer Willie DeVille uh, Garland Jeffries, you know, the New York Dolls, it kind of all fits together, all these groups, little different aspects of this kind of, what I like to think of as like this sort of gritty East Coast, New York, New Jersey thing that was just really appealing, it was very appealing to my brother and I, I always loved it. Anyway, so that's kind of why I got into the music in the first place and Garland, you know, he kind of epitomizes, I always said, I always said about, you know, he loves New York the way Chicagoans love Chicago. So true. You know, it's like it's a member of your family. It's not just a geographical location. It's not just where you're from. It's part of you. Agreed. And, you know, his music has always, is, has always been kind of, not, not like exclusively, but it's always kind of centered in New York, and you can feel it in the music. And I think that's what's so appealing to me in part is because it's just like, you know, I appreciate anybody who who just has that sense of 
place, you know, sense of where they come from. He's very passionate about New York. Yeah. And that's endearing to him. Yeah, and you know, and, and we've talked about, I mean, we love New York. Um, I know, you know, as a Chicagoan, you're not supposed to say that, but I, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's one of my favorite places Chicago will not be mad at us if we say we love New no. York as well. <laughs> no, no, that's a true story. That is a true story. Um, I was going to say, why don't you um, explain how you, like, connected with him? Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, so amazing. It's, it's kind of a wild story. And I was thinking about this. For some reason, I was thinking about this last night. Um, you may hear our cat, one of our cats crying in the yep. background. Gordy's making a guest appearance. We have appearance. a professional setup over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to make some noise. But, uh, but the, you know, I was thinking about this last night. So, like... You know, Garland obviously a little bit older than us, um, but we we did in a weird sort of way. We and 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 they live have lived a little bit of a parallel life. In yes. A sense. So, you know, it turns out that Garland and his wife Claire had a daughter Savannah right around the same time our oldest was born. Yes. Think, right. Like they're, they're the same. They're basically the same age. And you know how like. <laughs> When you have kids, I mean, any, everyone who has kids can relate to this. You, you like, and we've talked about it before. You, you like, you drop out of pop culture, right? Like, like you go from. I always say, you know, Pearl Jam put out their like first three or four records, and then the next thing I knew, it was all like, you know, Disney Pixar movies SpongeBob. and SpongeBob, <laughs> and you know, from from the from the mid to late '90s, you know, there was this long period of time. Where you just like you're not connected to pop culture, and then you kind of come out of that fog, right? And, all and you wake up. <laughs> you, you wake up, and you, like Rumpelstiltskin, you're coming back into like the world of pop culture, and it's changed dramatically while <laughs> you were you gone, right? <laughs> right? Right? Well, you know, because 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 they had a kid at the same time our oldest was born. In a sense, you know, maybe they went through a similar kind of thing. Only think about how more dramatic it would be because unlike us as you know like fans of music and, and pop culture garland jeffries was actually in the midst of pop culture he was an artist he was a musician and when their daughter savannah was born you know, he, he paused his career um which is a very admirable thing to do i mean you could say hey man he's just being a parent and that's cool and i agree with that but it's still an admirable thing to do for sure that's got to be a hard thing i would think too for an artist to just you know say all right well i'm going to take some time off of performing recording touring all those things but he did because he's a good guy and and he wanted to be involved in his his family life and all that so while we were uh you know kind of taking that pause from going to concerts and and that kind of thing he was taking that pause from actually being on the other side of the the thing and being on stage and performing right and then you know in, a, in about I don't know 2010 2011 somewhere around there you know our kids are a little bit older uh, we, they were still you know relatively young but they were getting to the point of having a little bit more independence and we could start doing more things like going to concerts and that sort of thing right and similarly Garland Jeffrey started getting back into recording music so I think it was in 2011 and I should have researched this a little bit better I think it was in 2011. <clears throat> he put out an album called The King of In Between, 
Now, he hadn't put out an album in, in I don't know, more than a decade, I want to say, since yeah. sometime in the 90s until until The Kingdom in, in Between in 2011. And, um, and I want to talk about the name of that record and why it's so significant, but we can get to that in a minute. But what was cool about it was that also just sort of coincided to, to like the early days of social media. So there were, you know, yeah, Facebook had been around for a bit, but things like Twitter were brand new. I don't think Instagram even existed nope. yet. Yeah. And one of the funny things was is that, you know, first of all, Twitter wasn't as nasty and negative and awful as it is now, um, or as it was just a few years later, but it was a much more sort of homey place. <laughs> like you could you could connect with people because it was brand new. So I don't really I, I honestly don't recall where I first saw that he had a, a new record out. But I was like, oh my God, Garland Jeffries, I love this guy. I've been a fan forever. And it brought back all this, you know, sort of stuff about my brother and, and the connection I had with my brother and everything. Like my brother John and I, you know, like I was his best man at his wedding. He was best man at a wedding we won't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> he might have had. He might have been able to reprise that role had he still been with us. Yes. Uh, when we got married. But anyway, um, you know. So it was like wild. I'm like, oh my god, Garland Jeffries. And so I looked up on social media, and I, I want to say Twitter and, and Facebook. And I just, you know, I, I tweeted at him or whatever the right term is. You know, and we just sort of connected through social media. And I should point out too, this is kind of a sad part to this story. There was there's a was a local DJ in Chicago, who I think we may have talked about. I talked about him on on my class show, because he recently passed away. But there was this guy named Len Bramer, who was on a radio station called WXRT in Chicago, and he was originally from New York, and um, he was a big fan of Garland Jeffries and he Lynn was kind of a funny guy he would there were certain songs that he would say this is the best song in the whole world this is the greatest song ever written and and there were like multiple songs that right. he would describe that way he would say it not one of the best he would say this is the best song ever written that you play gimme shelter by the Rolling Stones but one of the songs he described as the greatest song ever written the song called R-O-C-K from the album Escape Artist that came out in 19, um, 1981 and that's one of my favorite songs it is and by the way I know I'm, I'm jumping all over the place here. since we've been talking about Bruce Springsteen lately that album featured at least at least Roy Bitten on the piano and maybe some of the other members of the E Street Band. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so if you ever hear the song, that piano, the kind of real dramatic piano part at the beginning, that's Roy Bitten from the E Street Band. I used to always say that there was a there was a rule in the in the 80s that if you came out with a rock album, you were required by law to have either members of the E Street Band or members of the Heartbreakers on your record. Okay. Right? You had to Mandatory. have, yeah, you had to, you had to have Steve Van Zandt or Roy Bitten or Mike Campbell or Stan Lynch or Howie Epstein. What you know, one of the one of the members of either the E Street Band or the Heartbreakers. But anyway, so Lynn Bramer would always, anytime he played that song, and he frequently played it all the way to the end. He kept that song going, and he was. Uh, a big supporter of Garland Jeffries. And so I, I know this is crazy. I'm going all over the place with this. But when 
uh, the King of In Between came out, he there was a song, uh, just a, an incredible, like like what a great f- single to release after you've kind of had a dormant career for a while. There's a song called Coney Island Winter, which is fantastic. We saw him play it on Letterman mm-hmm. when when it came out because David Letterman was also a big supporter. And anyway, so we just started like connecting through social media, and it was at a time when you could actually sort of have real conversations with people. And you knew that the person on the other side was the actual person. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of huge. I was lucky enough to have some uh, interactions with Roseanne Cash back in those days, mm-hmm. too. You know, But um, so we actually, I was thinking about this. So we actually missed one of his shows in Chicago after the release of that album, The King of In Between. He played, and, and this is crazy, because he played at a place that was about a block from our house. Yes. Called, we don't live there anymore, but it was called Fitzgerald's in a suburb of uh, Berwyn, Illinois. And we, I don't know, we've probably mentioned Fitzgerald's mm-hmm. before. But he played at Fitzgerald's, and um, we didn't make that show. But it won't, not too, maybe just a couple months later, in July of whatever year that was, maybe 2012 by this point, I don't recall. He played at an outdoor festival sponsored by the Old Town School of Folk Music where yep. we took guitar lessons and so forth. In the forth. future. <laughs> Many years later, right. And we went to see the show. Our friend Joel came with us. Joel, who knows everyone in the world. And he got hit by, by, oh, by a car yeah. on oh, his bike. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he was on he his He made bike. it, but... Uh... He made it to the show. We ended up giving him a ride. Yeah. But it's a long... That's a long story. But so we saw, we, we saw the show. And then afterwards... Actually, you were the one who said, let's go talk to him because yeah. he was sort of in the it's area. It's my favorite stage. thing to do. Right. And so we walked up and just struck up a conversation. And then we had this great conversation about the music. And he said he pointed out that Fitzgerald's was a great club, but that it was a little too small of a venue for him. Yes. You know, he was, you know, making a big comeback and everything. But I think that's the only Chicago area show we missed. I believe that's correct. After he kind of came back and restarted his career. So we saw him at the outdoor festival called the Square Roots Festival. We saw him at le- twice at Old Town Square. Yeah, because then there was the in- inside. Um, oh, no, I'm thinking of City Winery. Well, we saw him at City Winery in Chicago. When, when we saw him, uh, I, I can't remember if it was once or twice at Old Town. We oh. did twice because Jay Clemens opened right, for him. Right, Jay Clemens, another East Street band connection. Yes. Jay Clemens Jay What a Clemens fantastic opened. show that was. Yeah. Really fantastic. If you've never been to Old Town School of Music in Chicago, definitely. Or folk music, you know. Yeah. But it, <laughs> <laughs> definitely um, go because it's a um, smallish venue. Uh, every view is very close to the stage, um, unobstructed, uh, amazing. So Yeah, and, but they've had, like, th- th- over the years, they've had just like amazing acts. And Steve Earle has played. Very affordable, too. Yeah, right. We saw Roseanne Cash there. Steve. Uh, Earl has played there. Yep. Um, Graham Parker, more recent. We saw Graham Parker at a different venue, but he also played there. Uh, played at Old Town School. Um, you know, Garland Jeffries, as we said. Uh, obviously, uh, Jay Clemens. Um, but and then so we saw him there. We saw him as you as you pointed out. We saw him at City Winery a couple times. We saw him up at um, a place called Space in Evanston, Illinois. That was kind of a a solo show, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it's just always been, um, and it, you know, I talk about this on my Clash podcast um, that you know, um, th- there's this thing, and you know, there's this, all this controversy about artists 
who say or do dumb things, whether they're musicians or actors or directors, writers, whatever. And, you know, people are always saying, well, you got to separate the art from the artist. And, and let, let me just say, sometimes I think that's more difficult than others. I understand the concept, but, you know, it isn't always that easy. I don't want to get into all that because my feeling is, you know, you got to make your own decisions about when you can accept um, the art, the art output from an artist who's done or said bad things and or not. Everybody has to kind of figure that out for themselves. But there are all these artists out there where you don't have to worry about that, right? And we talk about that all the time. I mentioned Roseanne Cash, wonderful human being, great Amazing. artist. Amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, Living Color, one of our favorite bands. The Mavericks, a fantastic band we've raved about before. You know, mm -hmm. really, really good, decent people who also happen to produce great music. Well, Garland Jeffries is exactly that. And like, it to me, he's like the first person that I the first artist that I knew in real life who, you know, like I actually met and I actually talked about him. And, you know, when you meet people that you admire, you always think, well, how's that going to go? Am I going to be disappointed? Am I going to be, or, you know, are they going to be nasty? And actually the time that we saw him at City Winery, when we first walked in, Claire was at the merchandise, ta mer merchandise yeah. table. And as soon as she saw us, she came running up yeah. and gave us a hug and yeah. uh, was just like, I'm so glad you guys are here. Yeah. So that was kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. But he's, you know, from the moment that we first had a conversation with him, you know, after that outdoor show, <clears throat> you know, probably 11 years ago, he just was like genuine and nice. And, and we've had multiple conversations over the years. I would and... love to tell another story, Go which ahead. is my favorite um, memory. I might get teared up by it. Um, so his last show was at City Winery in New York. And David said... Um, you are getting verklempt. <laughs> I am. Because David said, guess what? Garland Jeffries is doing his last uh, show in New York. Do you want to go? And I was like, do you even have to ask? Because the answer would always be yes. <laughs> um, so it was an amazing show. Um, tons of people came to support him on the stage. We never, we didn't actually know who was actually going to perform until we got there. I don't think that right. was like... Um, we didn't know for like... sure. And by the way, that was five years ago because it was for his yes. 75th birthday. Yes. He had made the decision to retire from touring. Mm -hmm. And so... That was that was the last show, and he did two shows. It was on a Saturday, at the old City Winery location in New York City, in Manhattan, and he did two shows. Uh, he did a you know an early and a late show, and we went to the late show. So we had seen the names of people who would play, but we weren't sure who was going to play which show. Anyway, I interrupted your story. Oh my gosh, that's okay. Two things that I loved about that show is when other people were playing. Garland was behind stage with Claire, <laughs> like, <they did. laughs> and they were just like hugging and everything. It was like so nice because they're good people. But then the best part was after afterwards. <laughs> I get very emotional about stuff. We'll be but... sitting watching TV and I'll look over the door. <laughs> Are you <What>? crying? <laughs> and it's a commercial about something that I don't even know these. It usually people. has a puppy. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, I'm sorry. But it, um, so people were taking turns, you know, saying hello to him after and, the show and, and everything birthday. and happy birthday. 
and everything. And when it was David's turn to go up there, he looked at him and he put his hands on your face. Yes, he did. And he was just like, what are you doing here? And David said, we came to uh, New York to see, we came to New York. And he goes, well, what did you come to New York for? He goes, to see you. And he was like, that was like stymie to him. Like he couldn't believe like we actually made, came to New York just to see him. Well, we and do I like, we do excellent. like going to New York as it turns yeah, out. Yeah. And I have a great picture of that. Yeah. Yeah, he gave me a big hug. That was very nice. <laughs> it was so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a very likable, good person. And that show, just as an aside, it was just, it was amazing. I mean, just the people that we saw. Chuck Prophet was there, Lori Anderson, um, uh, Ivan Julian, who, you know, is a New York legend who just actually recently put out a, a new solo album, which is very good. Um, uh, his daughter, their daughter Savannah, Savannah is an excellent sang. singer. Um, Vernon. And well, that was the thing that was so wild. So we had seats right by the stage, you know, and uh, I, I just were sitting there. We we actually ate at the because it's a restaurant and a music venue. Right. We ate at dinner and then we went into the venue, and we sat down and I look over at the stage and there's this gold guitar, and I'm like. That's Vernon Reed's guitar. <laughs> I recognize that guitar. That's Vernon Reed's guitar from Living Color. And sure enough, he played a couple yeah. of songs. Um, I, I'm sure I'm forgetting people who were there. It was just such a cool, um, a cool evening and a cool show. But yeah, he, you know, a lot of that show was, you know, other artists doing his songs. Um, but uh, just it was, it was just such a great time and. You know, it's, it's a little bit of mixed emotions because we had had over the years such a great time. I mean, it's a period of like six or seven years where we saw him play almost every year yep. um, in Chicago. And that's that's why when I saw that it was his farewell concert, they, I think, announced it, you know, it was well in advance, a month like or so a, in advance. Yeah. Uh, and I think they announced it on, you know, so, different social media platforms or whatever. And I'm like... It's going to be our last chance to see one of our favorite artists and someone we've gotten to know a little bit. And so I just felt like, you know, we had to do it. And, you know, New York City in, in uh, the summer does not suck. You can't really go wrong with that. that is Plus, true. we actually, it was cool because we got to stay in uh, Tribeca, which is an area that we hadn't stayed in before. And it's kind of a neat area because it's very accessible. The downtown, we walked across the Brooklyn Bridge. We walked everywhere. We, you know, we walked everywhere. Um, so that was kind of neat just to be in a different location because most of the time we stay there, it's been like, you know, not in Times Square really, but Midtown, Midtown East, whatever. Uh, so that was kind of neat to be in, in a different area. Uh, Upper West Side, we said, no, that was, <laughs> that was our last trip where we yes. had to do, pretend to be on Seinfeld. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it was just fantastic. But anyway, so we just wanted to say thanks for all the great music. Thank you, Garland. If my brother John were here, he would have probably gone to all those shows too. He sure would have. Um, but but I appreciate it. I appreciate, and you know, and it, it, it's you know, music is great and everything like that. But what a lot of artists do, and I, I feel like this was true for the is true for the Clash or was true for the Clash, true for Garland Jeffries true for Bruce Springsteen and a lot of other artists, they get like they give you a language to like connect and communicate with other people. You know, Bruce Springsteen always talks about it as a conversation. He's having a conversation with his audience. It's not just a one-sided thing where he's standing on stage and you're just supposed to be quiet and listen. It's a conversation. It's a give and take. But I think it also is like 
it 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 in it, it I can't speak enables a conversation between people. You know, you might have differences with somebody, you know, a family member, a friend that you know you're living a kind of like I say like a different life, but it gives a common language between people, and it doesn't just you know it's not just you connecting to an artist; it's you also connecting to other people. I think, and I, you know, um, uh, there's. In my life, there's just been a, a series of, of artists like that. Obviously, talk too much about Bruce. I talk too much about The Clash. <laughs> <laughs> I probably talk too much about The Mavericks. Um, but, you know, Garland Jeffries is one of those artists who's always just helped sort of make those sorts of connections possible. And I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I can't say enough about the impact that he had on us. So if you have not listen to any of his music please do uh it's amazing there's still videos from a long time ago on youtube yeah uh so uh oh, and two news items uh, yes. relative to God. number one um they've been working on he and his his wife and and some of their um can I, you know their their fellow artists and so forth have been working on a documentary um, that's in post-production now. It's called the, the King of In-Between. If you go to Garland Jeffries' website, garlandjeffries.com, and mm -hmm. it's, it's Garland, G-A-R-L-A-N-D, Jeffries, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-S. Correct. So it's not I-E-S, it's E-Y-S.com. There's a link to the page for the documentary. There's a GoFundMe. You can help uh, support it. We have. Yep. We would encourage you to do that. But look also for that um, documentary to come out. It's called The King of In Between. Just to circle back, that was the, the album, you know, the comeback album in, like I said, 2011, thereabouts. Um, the one thing that we haven't really talked about about Garland is um, one of the things that's really fascinating about him is he is um, African-American and Puerto Rican. Um, and so, you know, the title King of In Between is a reference to the way he kind of has always in his career kind of straddled the world between, you know, rock music, which over time became sort of predominantly white, even though, of course, the roots of rock music are in black music. But, you know, so he's a, a black artist and a, a Puerto Rican artist who had to navigate the world between black and white you know, or, mm -hmm. or uh, black and brown and white. Um, and so that's the term where the term King of In-Between comes from. And, and over the years, he, he's written a lot of tremendous songs about that exact topic. And, and the song, um, the song Hail, Hail Rock and Roll, which I had mentioned earlier, is kind of this hip hop song. It's about the evolution of rock music and, and the black roots of rock music. And, it, you know, it kind of speaks to that as well. Um, so, so the first news item, so to speak, is is the documentary. If you can support it, and also keep an eye out for it when it when it gets released. And then two, they just released um, today, as a matter of fact, uh, a new album. It's it's called. Let me make sure I got it right, because of course I downloaded it on my phone. Nice. Um, it's called uh, American Boy and Girl. Um, American what American Boy and Girl Unplugged. Okay, so he had an album out many, many, many years ago that was called American Boy and Girl. This is a sort of an acoustic version. They've got demos of some of the original songs that were on that album, reworked versions of the song. So you can you can download that on I got it on iTunes, but it came out literally today, June 29th, 2003, uh, 2023. Nice. Um 
so I haven't. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Because you had to work today. Because <laughs> I did have. To, I did have to actually work today. But anyway, those are the two things I, I wanted to mention. Um, great stuff. Uh, but again, thank you, Garland. Happy 80th birthday. Happy 80th birthday and um, many, many more. And hopefully someday we'll get to New York and again and get to see you. But otherwise, God bless. Take care. Here's to another 80. You got it. So, so thanks for listening yeah. to our podcast tonight. So that's our show. Our special edition. Special and dual uh, edition. Yes. And uh, definitely leave us a comment if you have a Garland Jeffrey story you'd like to share with us. Good night, everybody. Good night.